Welcome to Radical Ladies and Gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Uh, thank you guys for being here, first and foremost. As you've heard in the intro, that is the Georgia Bulldogs fight song. They are the repeat national champions. And uh, I don't talk about sports ever. Like, I, I just, I don't. Um, it's one of those things that I don't watch sports, and I I don't know. I, I grew up playing football, and I grew up playing football with amazing guys and amazing teams. Like, we didn't lose. We never, ever lost. And this was, you know, this was uh, over at Brookwood High School in uh, Snellville, Georgia, and we just we just kicked ass. I mean, we won a, a state championship at the quad A level, which was the highest level back in the day. A couple of my good buddies went over to play at UGA and um the you know the the team was just an amazing team and growing up playing football I'll tell you um in those programs especially at that level that Brookwood was playing at uh, especially in the late 90s um the, the the caliber was just amazing I mean the the amount of work the amount of preparation the amount of off-season work the amount of drill the amount of study it was it was a program I mean it was it was just like you know, it was just like a lot of colleges. Uh, so there is a lot of respect I have for guys that operate and play at this level. I mean, the amount of time and devotion and tenacity and just being tough, man. I mean, some of the toughest stuff I ever did. I mean, I will say that. I mean, like even the Marine Corps going off uh, and, and, you know, getting into Marine reconnaissance and all that kind of stuff. Th- I think that's probably what prepared me for that stage of my life is, you know, we were, you know, we were lifting weights in sixth grade. We would get, uh, bust over from the middle school to the high school and we would watch, uh, or we would learn how to lift weights correctly first and foremost. And then they would start us in on a weight training program. Um, gotta tell you, I mean, from that time until I graduated, you know, towards the end, I was burning out there, were, you know, from sixth grade till the time you, you leave high school, you know, six years of, uh, that level of commitment to a program was just unheard of, uh, but they were doing it, and that's why they were winning, and that's why they were kicking ass. And I will tell you, you know, like the you know the, the summer season where you, you you're not in school, but you're in the weight room all day, every day. You're in the classroom, learning the offense, learning the defense. You're with your buddies twenty four seven at that point, and it creates a family. And there's a lot of laughter. We had a lot of jokers. Um, and you, you get into like two a days and two a days, I'll tell you what, two a days are kicking the ass. So, um, you know, I understand what it's like to play extremely high caliber football and for these guys to do what they did to TCU last night, um, man, hats off to you guys at UGA, man, you guys really, what a, what a team, uh, Stetson Bennett, uh, has got to be you know, one hell of a, a leader, uh, and, and, you know, to, to put together a team like that, you know, Kirby smart, uh, being the, the coach I've said for a long time, you know, it's, it's not been easy being a, you know, a, a UGA fan. Um, I'm also alumni there, you know, not that, not that I give a shit about the, the college itself, but to be a Georgia fan growing up, I mean, the last championship they had minus, you know, this year and last year was, uh, back in 1980, when Herschel Walker played and to see what Georgia football was and what it was capable of, you know, at the high school level, I, it always just boggled my mind when you had coaches in there like Mark Rick and, you know, no offense to Mark Rick, um, but he was more of a West coast kind of guy. He was more of a West coast uh, player and, and players coach anyway. And, you know, like to throw the football a lot and do all this, you know, 
you know, not not deep South football, especially not Georgia football. Georgia football, if you guys are not part of uh, this, I don't know, this family down here, Georgia football, and I mean, coming up all the way down at the, the you know, the kid level, right, is, it's smash mouth football. It is grind and it's speed. It is just absolutely <laughs> what they used to say, knock your dick in the dirt. Uh, it is a absolute, um, it is it, it is some of the hardest nose football on the planet, you know, pass rushing is different from you know blocking for um, for you know a great running back or a great quarterback that can run. Um, you know, if you've got guys on the offensive line that are mobile and can move, and you can run all sorts of traps and um, you know fakes and sweeps and uh, f- just you y- you name it. You know, where the actual linemen are getting out screen passes. I mean, you saw it all last night in this in this game. Um, I watched the highlights. You know, I, I didn't think TCU was going to be much of a, a thing. I really didn't think Ohio State the week before uh, was going to be much of a game. I don't think Georgia played great against Ohio State. Um, and I, I think that's a witness by the way TCU whipped Michigan and Michigan beat Ohio State. So, you know, when Georgia actually shows up to play uh, and Kirby Smart, you know, plays that smash mouth football, just the relentless, if you want to play us, you're going to get punished type of football. That's the type of football that is Georgia football. And it's good to see that it's back. It's good to see that we've got a coach that understands this mentality, that understands the passion and the mind. Like Kirby Smart used to be one hell of a player back in the day. So for for all it's worth, um, you know, this is about the extent you'll hear me talk about sports on this show. I will say, you know, it's done some great things for me in terms of teamwork, in terms of family and friends that I've made that are lifelong friends, uh, community and all that. Uh, it's just one of those things where I don't have time for this kind of stuff on a regular basis, especially an entire season. Uh, you know, like, no, I, I don't. And it's funny because, you know, you, you, you wish for the longest time growing up that your team was actually good, possibly win a championship and when they go undefeated and when they're second championship in a row and you're not, you know, there watching every Saturday or attending games or doing, you know, all of the stuff that you used to do with football. Uh, I don't know, kind of just smacks of almost a, um, I don't know, in, in gratefulness. I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, a lot going on out there in the world. I thought I'd you know make this show a little bit lighter. Um, there's there's just, I don't know, so much. I, I mentioned the other day that uh, McCarthy and the Republicans, uh, their first task was going in and voting out the, uh, the, the spending for the 87,000 IRS agents. Now, um, I've gotten a little bit of challenge on how I've said what I've said in terms of what is spending. And I'm going to tell you right now, it stands. I can do this from the top of my head. Article 1, Section 7 is permissive language. The The first paragraph talks about the uh, House of Representatives being the only house where spending bills originate. So you have to ask why. Why can't spending originate in the Senate. Why? The, the, the pushback I'm getting here is ridiculous. Sometimes it's from lawyers, and lawyers will try to you know, cite quote-unquote law. The problem is, is the Constitution quote-unquote is law, Article 6, Section 2, and I can do this off the top of my head. This is the Supremacy Clause. This just simply states that the Constitution uh, is the, the law of the land, 
uh, anything that is out of line with the Constitution is 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 notwithstanding. It's null. It's void. It has absolutely nothing. So. How do you change the Constitution? That's an Article 5 amendment. The Article 5 amendment process is arduous. It takes two-thirds of both houses, and that's the only way to change the Constitution. It doesn't happen very often. Um, in over 245 years, we only have, I think it's only like 20, 25, 26 amendments, something like that. Not very many. And when it comes to the the way that spending is done, there's been no amendment that's ever been added to the Constitution through an amendment process that changes Article 1, Section 7, Paragraph 1. And this just hasn't happened. So anybody that cites you know, what law is and what law isn't that can't show you an amendment on this is absolutely full of shit. And so I'm here to call them out. If anybody wants to take me up on this and try to prove me wrong, go for it. Anything that you're going to cite in terms of laws passed that haven't that changed the Constitution, well, it doesn't happen. You can't change the Constitution through simple law. You can't. Can you usurp it? Sure. Do they do it all the time? Yes, they do. This is what lawyers and judges and the legal system does. They try to tiptoe around it. They have some of their high priests and high priestesses and all these jackasses who are congressmen and you know the, the lords... <laughs> and the commoners, right? The lords and the commoners getting together and screwing around to benefit them because they have an incentive structure that's built on fiat that has absolutely screwed everybody and everything up. This this whole thing is a disaster because nobody actually understands it. And here's the thing is, Lysander Spooner said something about, you know, whether the Constitution permits it or it does not. It is. It, it has either been worthless or un, unable to stop it and is therefore unfit to exist. I'm paraphrasing, so don't quote me. But that's the thing. This Constitution is a joke. It has stopped nothing. The Anti-Federalists have, were, were absolutely raving about how centralization of power taken from the states would end exactly the way it's ending. Man, I tell you, this is, you know, if somebody wants to challenge me on this stuff, please bring them forward. Step up. I would love to have these conversations because this is something that I really started studying before I ever got into politics. I know, crazy. Somebody that actually studies the Constitution and the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists that, you know, that did this all in preparation for getting into politics so that they could actually do something. Um, and I got to tell you, uh, none of this kind of stuff, it's not going to fix itself. The The these people in office aren't going to fix anything. They're not ever going to vote out of their own interest. Hardly ever. You know, there might be onesies and twosies, but that's about it. Outside of that, they're not going to do it. So right now, people are talking about how the Senate is uh, going to, you know, scrap, you know, what <laughs> the action that they've just taken in the House in terms of getting rid of the 87,000 uh, IRS agents spending. Um, they're, they're saying it's DOA and, and who's telling you all this kind of stuff? Who's saying this? The, the mouthpieces for the state, the, the people that lied to you about COVID, that lied to you about the war, that lied to you about vaccines, that lied to you about masks, that have lied to you every damn step of the way, that tried to push monkeypox on you. All these damn things. Are you kidding me? These are the people who are talking about it. It should be, that's what should be DOA. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Um, 
as I as I talk about this kind of stuff and I and I bring up uh, the ideas that um, are, are are really just solid and based and uh, you know built in peace and consent and allow you to be you and me to be me and get rid of the force and coercion that is the state. Uh, Tim Niemeyer, uh, you guys have heard his name before on the show. He provided a a great article from Bitcoin Magazine in the past. Today, he does it again. Uh, I saw this and I was just like, you know what? It fits in with today's theme. Um, you know, obviously, we're looking for the fighters. Like, you know, and, and, I, and I look at this as like, uh, you know, we're looking at fighters. UGA versus the the TCU guys, right? Like this, this is a moment to pick your fighters. And he's got a great article on Bitcoin Magazine as of the other day. I think this was January uh, 7th. And it's choose your fighter, Bitcoin maxis versus fiat maxis. And he makes some very just stark uh, comparisons between the two. And who you're going to listen to. Uh, he, he lays it all out beautifully in this, uh, in this, uh, you know, very 1980s, 1990s, uh, you know, kind of article. I have all the show notes here for the links. If you want to go take a look at it, he's got great pictures of like street fighter. Uh, let's see. He's got, uh, some of the, the stuff from Tekken, I guess he's got that, you know, some other, you know, other screenshots in here from video games. Uh, but he talks about choosing your fighter, freedom versus Klaus Schwab or uh, Vladimir Putin or Elizabeth Warren uh, or Trudeau or, you know, you name it, you know, any of these people that are fighting against Bitcoin. It is, it's absolutely a, a great article. It's a fun article. It's a day where, you know, people down here in Georgia are celebrating, uh, you know, a great fight, a great season. And, you know, other than, you know, head injuries and wasting time on sports, uh, this is where I hope I can get people who are uh, sports fanatics to start looking at bigger pictures. Uh, you know, and, and if this is, you know, sports are still your thing and you got time to do that kind of stuff. I understand a lot of you guys are younger. A lot of you guys love football. I did when I was younger. Let me be this conduit from sports to economics where, uh, this is, this is the big leagues. This is where people are killed. This is where people, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a life and death game and it's a very serious game. It's a game that we can't afford to lose. And that's that's exactly what we're pointing out here. In the most fun way, I guess you could possibly frame this in terms of life and death type of sport. Economics is that. If people don't paint economics that way, it's because they don't understand the other side of it. They forget where they came from. I don't know what it is. But this is truly the game of games. This is truly the match of wits and strategy and conviction and study and all of those things that I talked about with with football. This is maybe one of the reasons why I'm as, I don't know, driven as I am because I've done harder things, right? Economics, um, when you start getting into it, like it's way easier than, than sports ever was. Right. All you got to do is read and study and practice. Like that's it. Like that's that's kind of it. Until you're ready to go to the big leagues and start fighting people. The beautiful thing is, they have made it so that you, the common man and woman out there, can fight back anonymously against these tyrants like Charles Schwab, against you know the the idiots in the Federal Reserve, 
and the in the IMF in other countries like the EU, like well, I should say other conglomerations of countries like the EU, China. It's 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 here for the taking. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be independent? It's time to choose your fighter. Enjoy the article. Choose your fighter. Bitcoin maxis versus fiat maxis. Using the choose your fighter paradigm popularized by video games, we can compare Bitcoin and fiat and determine a winner. Tim Niemeyer, January 7th, 2023, Bitcoin Magazine. This is an opinion editorial by Tim Niemeyer, co-host of the Lincoln Land Bitcoin Meetup. Bitcoin maximalists have had a whirlwind of a year. From getting browbeat through the recent price drawdown to being seemingly prophetic bell ringers of the dumpster fire that is crypto, much of what has been written in the mainstream remains net negative. What's concerning is their centralized authoritarian counterparts, referred to here as fiat maximalists, somehow maintain an air of superiority in the mainstream. Oddly, both Bitcoin maxis and fiat maxis have some similarities in their structure, but... How they each attempt to achieve their goal is where they differ dramatically. As a child of the early gaming systems, I fancied the Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat series. I'd even consider myself a formidable Tekken opponent. From those experiences, I often frame real-world comparisons using the choose-your-fighter paradigm. Whether I'm choosing which side of the debate has the best arguments, which ideology delivers the optimal outcome, or which strategy is best suited for a game, I end up creating a mental list of attributes from which I can better choose my course of action. So, what would it look like to size up Bitcoin maxis versus fiat maxis? Does one side have a stronger argument? Does one ideology deliver optimal outcomes versus the other? Or is it simply that one strategy is better suited to win in the game of monetary dominance? Let's compare. Structurally similar. Shinobi recently defined Bitcoin maxis as those who focus on Bitcoin, share criticism of other technologies, and are constantly preaching the virtues of Bitcoin. Stefan Lavera defines Bitcoin maximalism as the view that will live on a Bitcoin standard, and the maximalists want to clearly distinguish Bitcoin from crypto. A potential framing of the toxic aspects of the Bitcoin maximalists could be those preaching further out on the spectrum of decentralized versus centralized, individualistic versus collectivist, and laissez-faire versus authoritarian, often confrontationally and controversially. Conversely, when we apply these terms to fiat maxis, we can start to see some common themes. They focus on fiat currencies, criticize Bitcoin, and pseudo-competing technologies, and are constantly preaching the virtues of the almighty dollar or similar coercive currencies. The fiat maxis maintain the view that we will all continue with the fiat standard. They also try to lump Bitcoin and crypto together. The toxic aspects of fiat maximalism tend to be those further out on the spectrum of centralized versus decentralized, collectivist versus individualistic, and authoritarian versus laissez-faire. These are the ones who want you to eat the bugs, live in the pod, and as the World Economic Forum states, own nothing and be happy. When compared with these categorizations, it is easy to see how we're all so similar. We all want what we want in the way that we want it. We're not so different, you and I. 
were two sides of the same coin. Time to start singing Kumbaya? No. Well, although Bitcoin and fiat maxis are structurally similar in regards to their monetary systems, how they go about achieving it is where they contrast starkly. Stark contrast. G-F-Y is a common anthem of the toxic Bitcoin maxi. If that makes you uncomfortable, pause for a moment, take a deep breath, and challenge yourself to understand why that's not such a bad thing. Comments like these are overt in nature, which is a feature, not a bug. Tomer Strolight wrote, quote, That thing that some people consider a bug in Bitcoin that they call toxicity is in fact the virtue of integrity. Most of the GFY-like comments are preceded by those either disingenuously or erroneously attacking Bitcoin. Toxic Bitcoin maxis draw a line in the sand. Strolite further offers the concept of principle-based toxicity, which he considers an intolerance of what Bitcoiners consider fatal compromise to Bitcoin. This includes surrendering decentralization, sound engineering, or security, all in exchange for adoption of some form. If something I value is being attacked, I want to know that the people around me are willing to help defend it. Furthermore, personal growth happens when there is a firm foundation upon which to build. If I'm surrounded by people willing to tell me the truth, I am more likely to make sound decisions. As odd as it may sound, GFY is sincere. Bitcoin maxis are letting the intended recipient know they're full of it and will not tolerate anything short of the truth, which is similar to the truth provided by Bitcoin's consensus algorithm. Personally, my BS detector has improved dramatically since I started studying the virtues of Bitcoin. Well, this is an end of one observation. I've encountered many similar anecdotes and Bitcoiners. That being said, there's value in standing your ground while also calmly calling out someone's inconsistencies in a constructive way. We should all strive to attain Michael Saylor's ability to maintain a positive, collaborative, illustrative, and welcoming frame. Contrast all of this with the covert nature of the toxic fiat maximalist. These are the people who engage in what George Orwell referred to as doublespeak, language that deliberately obscures, disguises, distorts, or reverses the meaning of words. Common to the toxic fiat maxi, this language does not display integrity. It is often used divisively in order to garner more control. It's insidious in nature. Whether it's Nancy Pelosi's obscure, quote, we have to pass the bill so that we can find out what's in it, comment to Elizabeth Warren's divisive, quote, shadowy, faceless group of supercoders. All of these are just word salads attempting to coerce the public into a pre-approved mindset. It's obfuscatory optics. Nothing they say offers solid truths. It's hot air intended to puff up their perceived sense of power. Words are weapons they wield to sway public perception. At least, Augustine Karsten was direct when he said that, with central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, Central banks will have absolute control on the rules and regulations. So, seriously, kudos to you for that. Choose your fighter. It's time to choose your fighter. Who do you want to associate with? Someone who has a principled approach and provides a clear conception of reality, regardless of political correctness, or a wordsmith with the intent to deceive, 
someone who wants to allow you to be you, regardless of what you stands for, or someone who will attempt to exert influence over others who don't share their conception of what ought to be. In a weird way, the preferred monetary medium is irrelevant, at least in a vacuum of this framing. What is relevant is the outcomes of human behavior seemingly created by each system. I often wonder what size the effect of the chosen monetary system has upon the individuals within the said system. It's as if Bitcoin is a forcing function for facts, while fiat is a forcing function for falsehoods. This fight continues to play itself out on the main stage of society. I believe it's imperative to not only choose the side of truth and reason, but also to share these facts with those you love. A bottom-up, grassroots approach is the ethical way to garner consensus, where fiat maxis will coerce you with their doublespeak to continually create their ruling class legacy and their image. Bitcoin maxis will continue to authentically advocate for truth and reason. Bitcoin maxis are the antithesis of the fiat maxis. Bitcoin maxis exude integrity, sincerity, and truthfulness, whereas fiat maxis exhibit corruption, artificiality, and equivocation. Bitcoin is to signal what fiat is to noise. In a head-to-head -head match, I choose Bitcoin maxis hands down every time. Good ideas don't require force. Adoption is increasing. Our time will come. The good news is, Bitcoin is for everyone. Except you, Craig. This is a guest post by Tim Niemeyer. Opinions expressed are entirely their own and do not necessarily reflect those of BTC Inc. or Bitcoin Magazine. Awesome article. Uh, absolutely, I mean, brilliant. I love to see people just, you know, write about things that are nostalgic and I don't know. On this day, man, there's there's not a whole lot that's going to get me down. So, uh, Tim, great job. And uh, for everybody out there, if you love the show, you can go out there and you can support it. You can go to patreon.com slash radicalpod and become a patron for as little as a dollar. A lot of, a lot of work goes into this kind of stuff, uh, ladies and gents. Doing this full time now, um, so every penny counts. I really appreciate all those of you guys that have uh, already become patrons. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for all spreading the word. It helps immensely. If you just take a moment and share this on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, you name it, YouTube, I don't know, maybe. We'll see. Um, but all of these kind of things really help me. So if you really find it, and I'm talking to you specifically, go out there and share this. It helps grow this message, help grow this audience so that we can do bigger and better things, uh, which I have planned. Uh, outside of that, if you don't want to be a patron, but you want to help the show, you can uh, go over to Cash App and just send a little donation there. Uh, Shane Hazel, uh, if you've got anything to send to my attention, Shane at RadicalPod.com. Uh, that's Shane at RadicalPod.com. Comments, questions, show ideas, guests, topics, whatever. Just send it there. And um, if you'd like to become a uh I'm forgetting my words. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the show, you can also send me an email there. Um, looking forward to doing a lot more fun stuff with you guys. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Oh, and I forgot to mention Cash App. Uh, not Cash App, but uh, Fountain FM. Fountain FM is changing. They're already putting in uh, new code to help the, the, the whole 
Fountain FM experience be better for you. So if you want to earn sats while you listen and you can't catch live shows, then you can go to Fountain FM, download Fountain FM, and earn sats while you listen. It also sends me sats. So thank you to everybody who's doing that. I thank everybody, too, who are creating the clips uh, of the show, videos, you name it, man. It is it is really cool for you know people who are fans that have this kind of skill set to go out there and create uh, stuff that is easily digestible that's you know 30 to 30 seconds to two minutes. Thank you guys so much for doing that kind of stuff. Really, really appreciate all of it. Um, you guys are an amazing audience and I would just be remiss if I didn't say I, uh, I am so appreciative of all of you. Thank you very much. Um, hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday. Until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their steps.